0: The first obvious question I've got for you, you're an Aston Villa icon. First of all, as a footballer, you're in the club's hall of fame, you were one of the founding members. You played at the club for your full career. While you were there, you played for England. What did Aston Villa and what does Aston Villa mean to you? I don't, well I don't think
1: you can explain it to be honest. I mean, I I think um you know when I when I started playing football as a schoolboy, it's so different to how football is today and I think that's you know, what, what people sort of don't understand. It's like, you know, there was no academies. Um, you know, the, there was no Sunday League football. Um, so, you know, so the, the, the whole system was completely... All I did was play for, for Acre League Secondary Modern School, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I started being asked to... And, and there was little scouts from different places. When I started getting asked to go to football clubs, it was like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, and I, my first club I went to was Port Vale. And, and Sir so Stanley Matthews was manager, he wasn't knighted knight at he? but he was just brilliant, you know, and it was like, um, it was an unbelievable experience. But when I went to Aston Villa, I got asked um, uh the, the assistant coach was the fellow called Malcolm Musgrove, who you might have heard of, who played for West Ham. And his, now he's related to my mum's side of the family. So he was working at Villa and, and someone from the family had said, oh, you know, Brian's doing really well at football. So I got invited down to, to Villa Park. But the day I walked in, I just thought, wow, you know, <laughs> it just so. Sort of, you know, here I am from, you know, I was, the time I was living in Peter Lee, County Durham. Uh, you know, to go to a football club like that and, and, and watch a game with sort of 40,000 people in there, it, it, just, it just struck me. And I just thought, wow. And I remember thinking, wow, if they offer me an apprenticeship, I've got to come here. This is the best place. And I just, so from day one, I just I just liked it and um uh, fortunately it turned out to be a, a, a reasonable choice when they offered me the apprenticeship I snapped the hands off and um and the rest as you say is history really which is uh, it, it's 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 a real sort of dream thing isn't it really more than anything else to think here I am 67 year old still sitting there still connected to the
0: club <laughs> it's incredible really just sum up how important the youth cup winning success was for you, because I imagine that's something that you look back with great fondness. In.
1: Yes, um, it, it sort of gave me the opportunity to get selected for the England youth team, which is which was a certainty. Um, uh, and the team itself, you know, uh, goalkeeper Jake Finley went on to be a pro footballer. You know, John Gidman went to be a pro footballer. My brother Alan, uh, Bobby MacDonald that uh, called Dougie George went off and played in Holland. He married a Dutch girl and, and and played in Holland all his career. Tony Betts went off and played in America all his career. So there was a Jimmy Brown was the youngest captain of Aston Villa who also played in that team. It was you know for a, a, we were third division at the time Aston Villa and um, for that team uh, you know at least a, a massive percentage of that team went on to have reasonably good careers in football and. Um, uh, it, it was a great uh, it was a great profile for the club it was a, a massive step for them uh, um, in that period to get a, a group of young players who who a lot of them played in the first team and then moved on um so for me personally it 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 opened an opportunity to to go away with england in in nineteen seventy two um yeah it was brilliant it was a, and, and obviously i you know I have fond memories i just, it's one of the few pictures I have hanging around my study Um, you know a a, a picture of that team it's um, you know at Liverpool holding the the the, FA Youth Cup Um, it, it always brings back great memories for me yeah
0: you talk about being in the third division and playing a big part in the club going from the third division back to the first, you also win two League Cups, you have a star role in the in the, the second final as well, Um, so 75 yeah. was great, 77 was, was arguably even better for yourself, just what were those yeah. successes like and what was it like working with Ron Saunders?
1: I mean, I think it's just you know, Ron and I famously didn't really get on very well. <laughs> but I respected him higher than, and more so than anyone else. To the point when I became a manager, I tried to build teams similar to Ron Saunders' teams. You know, I call my my Aston Villa '96 team a, a you know a Ron Saunders type team because I my characters I could match the characters up from team to team um Ron was Ron was a, an unbelievable disciplinarian I was a little bit of a rebel so we, we bound the clash I mean when I was a kid I I you know I was quite opinionated and I was a little bit scruffy and he didn't like that and he, he wanted me to whack the ball in the back of the net all the time and I used to just like placing it in the corner and whenever I scored he'd always say you should have whacked that and I'd go oh come on give us a break um we just had this little, but it, but when I when I got older, when you get older, you realise that all the things he used to say to me, it was real motivational stuff. You know, he just he just knew a way how to to just to, to touch me in a, such a way that that made me want to do better. You know, and it, I look back and and you know I laugh because I think having became a manager later on, you know, you just you just picked up that everything he said to me. Um, I don't think he really meant it. He just—he was just motivating me, you know. And then he found this little way of winding me up. Um, uh, but he was—he he was an unbelievable. He came to the club at a time when the club needed discipline. Um, it was a little bit seventies. Was a, a culture where you know team bonding was going out on a Tuesday night and everybody having a drink and stuff like that. He, he stopped all of that sort of stuff and everything. And football in the seventies was like that. So he—he he was into you know uh eating the right sort of food even in the 70s uh, not as scientific as it is today of course but he was into you know uh, training uh, training basically every day but but some of the sessions were short and sharp and he he, he was uh, he was sort of ahead of his time um but he, he so you know i i was i had a problem with him because we we clashed a lot um but i always respected him And um, I I found out later on that, you know, his type of team was successful team. So, you know, I think he helped me build that that side of my football management career. Anyway, so I I owed him an awful lot in many respects.
0: When you look at your um, um, career and and you look at the success you had in the League Cup, you you played alongside so many of the team that went on to win the European Cup with Villa. Your career playing career was curtailed through injury. How do you look back on that? Do you look back on it with hindsight and think It prepared me to go on and be a successful manager Or is there still part of you that is angry about how it ended for you Because when you look at it I think of yourself, I think of Norman Whiteside Guys that finished their career very early When they still had a lot to offer Yeah, I, 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 I was
1: lucky because You know when i when i had to retire i i knew i had to retire i mean you know people used to say to me oh you can still play oh you can do this and i used to look at them and say you can't feel my pain you can't feel how how my knee felt to me and how much how much i'd go home at night time after training when i was trying to re in rehab trying to get myself fit again and i used to go home at night and my knee would be throbbing and 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 i couldn't move you know and it took me a couple of days to, to... I used to have to train once, probably sometimes twice. And people used to say, oh, Brian, you still can play. And I go, yeah, it, it, I can play, but you, you can't feel my pain. So when I was told I had to retire, to be honest with you, it just... It 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 didn't... I, I'm not saying it didn't bother me, but it just made me think, you know, it, that's the right... You know, I, I can't carry on like this. But it it what it did do, it also gave me the, a chance to sort of think, what do you want to do? I went and worked in a printing company for three months with a fella who used to do the Aston Villa team programmes. He had a printing company. He was a big friend of mine, loved Villa. Uh, but I was there for three months and I just knocked on his door one day and said, look, uh, Stan Buggins was his name. And I said, Stan, look, um, thanks for giving me the opportunity, but I really, this is not, outside of football is not for me, you know? So I went down to Villa Park knocked on the door of the, the, the club shop man and asked if I could work in the club shop. Well, they were delighted. So I got a job in the club shop because it was football. From there, Ron left with Keith Leonard and Tony Barton asked me to be the youth coach because I worked at the club and I, I, I and I was in the right place at the right time. I was at the football club working. I got the youth club job because uh, Ron and Keith left. And to be honest, from day one, I think... Uh, you know, my first training session with the kids, I just thought, right, this is it. This is me. This is where I need to be. So I I, I accepted it and to be honest with you, I just moved on. Um, I I love the lads from the Europe. I mean, I miss them so much. You know, we see each other at Villa Park every home game and sit and chat. Um, So for the last year, I haven't seen them. You know, I mean, it's a nightmare. You know, we just got that used to seeing each other. Um, But I, 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 they're my heroes in many respects sure he's a great friend of mine who, who got the the, the the nod because i i i have to pack in he's a great lad him and peter we had a wonderful understanding um but you know dennis mortimer and, and and ken mcnaught and alan evans and all these lads are just just big friends of mine and i just love what they did um i'm not angry i'm not jealous uh I, I'm 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 happy that I, I know them and I'm happy that I played alongside them before they won the the European Cup and, and it's just life, but my life moved on. I've been in football for fifty years because of that injury really. And I might not have been in football for fifty years if I'd played my career out, I don't know. So I, I, I just look upon it as being the natural way of my life it had to go, sort of thing.
0: When you look at your career after playing One of the jobs I want to talk to you about First before we come to the Villa Is Darlington You go in there It's yeah. conference level football You know how tough that is I mean you played obviously third division But you'd played in the yeah. what is now known as the Premier League But at the time it was the first division So you'd played at the highest level Did you take some time to adapt to conference football Because you, you won the league and then won the fourth division So <laughs> it must have been quite a quick settling in process Um there were there were two or three reasons why I think we won number one. i I'd spent three years
1: working with bruce rioch, who who had taken Middlesbrough to the from the third division to the first division in football. I was very close to him and Colin Todd. I can't say I was the first team coach, but we worked together all the time. You know i I, I had a great mentor in that respect with Bruce Bruce was incredible. Um, he taught me about management. He taught me about hard work. he He, he led by by example. Um, so and, and I'd knocked on Bruce's door um, a week before I got the Darlington job not knowing I was getting the Darlington job and out of respect I said to him Bruce I want to be a football manager um, so I, I'm going to tell you now that I, I'm leaving so you can prepare and get yourself a youth team, co- youth and reserve team coaching um, uh, and he just said no you can't do that I, I said yes I can I said look if, if you can get a coach in within a week I'll leave because I want to be a football manager so he, Eddie Gray I think it was Eddie Gray Went after me It might have been Nishi, I can't remember um, but, but I left And fortunately I didn't know Darlington Were going to sack their manager But, but they did and, and I lived in that area And I was offered an interview For the Darlington job So um, I thought I was ready for football I didn't know where I was going to go um, But I went to Darlington Couldn't It was near the end of the season I couldn't keep them up But I um, because of what I've done, the, 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 how, how I approached it, they offered me a two-year contract. And as you say, in, in that two years, you know, I, I won the championship, the, the conference championship, the Division Four championship. Um, you no, know, I just felt I was ready. I just, I, I, he taught me all the things I needed to know. Obviously, I needed to bring in the right type of players. Um, I signed uh, when Darlington got relegated. There were sixteen players out the contract. They all were released. And I brought in sixteen brand new players, and and the team just gelled. It was great, you know. I was, whether I was lucky or good judgment, I know what I was looking for. Again, I look at that Ron Saunders thing, and my my team. Although I played with three centre backs, uh, you know, I I I had players. I, I you know, for what relevance you could have of a Gordon Cowens. I tried to have a Gordon Cowens not as good as Gordon Cowans in the conference, of course. But I needed someone who could pass. I had a, I wanted a Frank Carradice or James Bremner, someone who could run from box to box in midfield. I needed a captain and a leader like a Dennis Mortimer. So I got Ke- I got Kevin Smith who lugged the club inside out, back to front and sideways. And you know, I got two strikers, uh, you know, a, a Peter With and Gary Shaw. I, I, I had John Borthwick and David Cork who re- represented my my replication of a, of a Ron Saunders set up So. Um, I knew what I wanted to do in management Um, and no matter how good or bad or how much better Gary Shaw and Peter Whitworth were to to David Cork and and, and John Bordwick there was a a similarity to how I wanted them to play and how I wanted the team to gel I knew exactly what I wanted to do and um, as I've said uh, it it just it just worked for me really so my successful teams were teams that I could I could work on I could change players where where I like any manager Where you go to a club And you struggle It's because you can't Get what you want You know um, I think The clubs I've been to And I've managed to replicate That type of team I've always been successful at So um, It was It was very clear to me From the start What I wanted to do And Bruce just Fine-tuned me Towards football management um, Which I'm Eternally grateful for
0: Following Darlington You you join Leicester City and, and you get Leicester Back to the Premier League what was it like yeah. um, Managing the club They were at Filbert Street At the time It was It was yeah. not the, the The flashy Maybe Current Premier League You see now With lots of money And resources It was a different time yeah. How do you reflect On Leicester?
1: I love Leicester I still to this day I, I, I've i got quite a few friends Who I still speak to Who are massive Leicester fans um, Obviously I left Under a bit of a cloud But at I think as time's gone by, everybody looks back and says, well, you know, if I'd gone somewhere other than Villa, I think, you know, they might have even, would never have healed that sort of thing. But I loved Leicester. It was a great place to be. Um, that's where I put, you know, my, my Alan Evans, John Gregory and myself together. And, you know, we worked so well with each other. Um, uh, you know, we were still fairly young. Um, John, Allen Did most of the training with the players. I did as much as I could. We were really right in amongst the players at the time. We 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 brought them together. Um, And again, you know, I I, you know, I was was fortunate that I could build, I could change the team around, I could build different things in. Um, uh, But Leicester was a great club. I mean, it's a great city to work in. You know, with the, the rugby and the cricket and the and the football all being right next to each other, sort of thing. It was. You know, and it's a very sporty type of area, you know, so you got you got when you went to a dinner at the night time, you know, the rugby lads there, the cricket lads were there. It was just a great atmosphere to be around and because we picked the football up a little bit, that bounced into it as well. And that that Leicester and the Leicester fans were fantastic in those three years that were there. Um uh, and, you know, even now a lot of people will send me a message on Twitter or whatever saying, you know, when we, when someone puts a tweet on about what happened in 192 or 93, they'll always send something to me very nice and respectful. And um, I think uh, for me, um, you know, if Villa had not come along, I, I don't know what, what where I would be, but I would, you know, I, I loved it and I, I was really happy there.
0: And I enjoyed every minute of it. It was a great club to work for. You mentioned the, the pool of Aston Villa because of how much the club meant to you. You go to Villa and it was an interesting situation you go into. They were runners up in the Premier League 18 months before you go in. Yeah. When you go in, they are bottom of the table and you really you, you need to, to, to fight against relegation when you go in initially. What was that initial period yeah. like? Because there was a lot of pressure on you. Yeah,
1: well, again, I I adopted it. I remember losing an FA Cup game, probably the third or fourth game I was in there. Third game. Um, And we lost to Crystal Palace. Yeah, and uh, Gareth Southgate actually scored two goals against me. So I remember Ian Mark and Gareth as somebody I was interested in, as I used to do, you know, you're playing the games. And even though you're managing against teams, you didn't... You didn't have the full insight as they have today. You know, you used to go and watch players play in those days. and So, you you, you know, you, you, your, your ability to find out about players was less in those days. So, you know, I witnessed Gareth for the first time. I remember, like I say, marking him down, going, oh, I'll have to keep an eye on him sort of thing. But we lost 4-1. And I remember then going into the dressing room and I'd, I'd, I'd let things, the first three games, I'd pretty much picked a similar sort of team to what had been being picked before, uh, playing the same system four three three, um, and I remember going in after that and going. And I sat down. I just stood in front of them. And I went right. I've had four games. I've learned as much as I need to learn about you. We will now do it my way. And um, and and um, yeah, it was a big eye opener for me. Um, so you know, I went to my three centre backs. Started working on the three centre backs. The two wing backs started. Talking to the chairman about players I needed to bring in, and you know, straight away I managed to get Ian Taylor, who was my box-to-box midfield player. Which you know, we had some super players from the Gary Parker, Ray Houghton you know, Kevin Richardson. But they, 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 you know, they were good players, but they, they couldn't do that box-to-box thing as, as I needed it to do. So I started with Ian um, in, in January. Brought Tommy and Tommy Johnson and Gary Charles in. Um, uh, and uh, in January, I actually won Manager of the Month, which was the worst thing I could ever have done. In all fairness, because <laughs> um, by by the end of January, we we got right into mid-table, uh, and then when I'd signed Gary and um, and uh, and Tommy, you just felt that the players who were around sort of began to think, "Hang on, there's there's something going on here," you know. <laughs> and and I just felt like I got a little bit of a reaction of people thinking, you know, I'd lots of. Their uh, their agents because I in those days I had to deal with the agents we didn't have technical directors or directors of football. I had to do everything in those days. So I had I used to get loads of calls off the agents of the players going them, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, should we be looking for it? Because the, the transfer window was open till March. Don't forget that in those days. You know, I mean, it was a completely different scene altogether. So I used to get all the agents. So I knew how some of the players were reacting. You know, I knew that. You know, a lot of them were saying, Hang on a sec, you know, I mean we you know, there's there's three younger lads coming here, you know, what's you know, what's going on? And so you got you got to feel that all the agents were aware of the fact that, you know, that you know, there might be an opportunity for their players to move on. Quite a few of them did it before the March deadline. One or two were gonna move in the summer, they had offers so I knew of all of that. So it was a disruptive period after January. <coughs> uh, and I we on and consequently that ran onto the pitch and we we, we had a really bad run of results, um, but I was always aware of what was going on and I was always aware of what I was chasing as well as speaking to the, the, the agents of the players we had. I was already in communication with, which with agents from players that we might sign in the future as well. So it's a very you know completely different scenario to how it is today. You know, I don't think the managers deal with that anymore, the technical directors and the chief executives deal with all of that, the managers are aware of it of course, but I was full on, you know, day in and day out on the phone to agents, knowing what the players were thinking, knowing so-and-so wants to move, there's an opportunity for So it's a completely different thing, so it was, a, it was a strange spell, but once we got through that spell um, and I, I put together the team for the next season with a lot of ins and a lot of outs, um, I felt I'd I was ready for a, a, a campaign which would, I could be judged on, you know. So, but there were some great players there. But I think the fact that they knew that, that they couldn't leave and their agents were telling them, "Oh, we've got this lined up for you," it was a very unsettling period, as, as it was in those days, as it could be. It's not anymore because of the new rules. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough period for me. But I,
0: I came through it okay. Three high-profile names I want to ask you about who you managed um, Paul McGrath, I have to <coughs> ask you about Paul Andy Townsend, yeah. your captain And of course the White York is, is your striker How did you manage those three players? Because those are three guys that even to this day So many people talk yeah. about has been really big stars yeah. of football Well, Paul, first of all, is
1: a lovely fella I mean, he's a very meek and mild and and being meek and mild, he's a little bit vulnerable, you know, but, um, so he was always vulnerable. Um, and and there were periods when, you know, um, he would, he would be, he would have to sit in front of me with one of his mentors or even his wife sometimes if he'd, if, if he'd slipped off the rails a little bit, um, you know, and that, that was, that was quite awkward, but at the same time I got to know him quite well, um, but he was still, no matter no matter what went on with Paul, um, and he didn't really train with us, sometimes he would come out and have a little, if we having a little later side at the end of training, he was allowed to have 10 minutes and stuff like that. But most of the time, Jim Walker would look after him, uh, doing a little bit of jogging or, or, or just being gentle and exercise. So Paul, uh, you can't help but like Paul. You can't help but love Paul. You can't help but respect him. But you respect him mostly because despite all his problems he had, you stick him on a pitch on a Saturday and he was just immense. <laughs> just, just an incredible character. Brave. Um, saw danger. Somehow he could sprint when, through the week, you would look at him and think, Craig, you he you can hardly jog. But somehow he could sprint on a match day. That adrenaline thing was incredible. He was a very, very beautiful person. Lovely, lovely person. Um, and... Um, you know, everybody recognised how brilliant he was. I think what helped him a little bit in that first full season with me was that I, I'd signed Gareth Southgate. Hugo had come to the fore. So Hugo, we had Hugo, who was an unbelievable athlete. Hugo, AKL, God bless him. Unbelievable athlete. Gareth, who was a, had a brain, just sensed danger. And Paul, who was just an immense character, footballer on the pitch. So... He was, you know, he had Gareth on the left-hand side of him. Um, he had Hugo on the right-hand side of him. Um, so I think that that helped him a bit as well. You know, he, he, he was surrounded with with power and, and and different types of ability either side of him. Um, so he in the, he shone through that as well. So there was a lot of things that that were great for him. Um, uh, so, but but Paul, he, he, he wasn't hard to handle. He, he just occasionally because of his problem occasionally slipped off and, and um <laughs> and uh you know but he would part of his rehab was, was coming and talking about it to me with his wife or one of his mentors and um uh we just used to sit and and talk about things and, and uh he would say how sorry he was and he'd make sure he's all right for the weekend. So it was a it was a very, very interesting um and um uh, and and I can't say it was enjoyable, but it was something that I learned a great deal from. and um, But I have nothing but, again, total respect uh, for an absolute, probably the best footballer that's ever sort of played for in any respects, you know, who, who I was fortunate to, to get to know quite well.
0: And in terms of um, Andy Townsend and, and Dwight York, what were they like? Because I imagine Andy, from the outside looking in, has been a very determined, uh, intense type of guy, whereas I imagine Dwight York should be quite laid back. <laughs> well, Andy Townsend was
1: the biggest joker in, in the pack in terms of in the dressing room on a, on any day of the week. Um, he would be the one who'd be... Like, if there was something going on, he'd be the one who would stand there and orchestrate that He was... Uh, but on the pitch, that's when he came into that, you know, the the, the leader, um, the, the voice. Uh, but he was, uh, Andy, Andy was full of pranks. Andy was enjoying, was was part of the pranks. Andy was part of the, you know, players would, would walk in the dressing room, for, for say Mark Draper wearing something, a, a, a snappy jacket, and straight away Townsend would be in the middle of the dressing room, up, have everybody's attention. What do you think of his jack? You know, and he'd be leading the, leading the the all the stick that would fly around. He was uh, a great character. Uh, um, uh, so, so he had a funny. He loved the fun side of it. He loved the he loved the dressing room side of it. Um, but on the pitch, yeah, absolute leader, um, uh, orchestrator, keeping people in check, um, uh, leading by example. Uh, no, he was. He, yeah, you know, he was. He was brilliant. Um, uh, Andy, Andy was a class act. Uh, didn't didn't quite know him to start with. Was a little bit unsure, obviously, because you know I was looking to build a younger team. Um, but but the fact that I hung on to to McGrath and and Townsend is probably testament to their personality and their ability at, at the time. So Andy was brilliant. But yeah, he, he could be serious. But I think if people saw him on the pitch, they would say, yeah, dead serious. But off the pitch. Absolute legend, you know. Loved look to be in amongst all the, the banter. Uh, absolute leader of the banter, uh, in fact, in many respects.
0: In and Dwight, team. sorry, yeah. In terms of Dwight, sorry, what was what was what was he like? Um, well, again, when when he came to the club, Dwight.
1: Dwight would play anywhere you know you had Dalian Atkinson and, and Dean Saunders and sometimes he'd, he'd play instead of one of them if they were injured D- Dwight, Dalian had a few knocks and bruises so Dalian missed a few games so but, <coughs> Dwight would often play midfield he'd play wide sometimes he'd play as a striker but he always had talent and, and he was one of them players that you, initially you would look at and say wow what a talent but then on a match day perhaps it didn't come through but because he was playing in a position that wasn't his best Um, um, but he always knew knew there was a talent there I remember playing at Leeds and I remember losing the game at Leeds Um, I can remember falling to my knees on the halfway line because we played so well and I remember playing uh, Dean Saunders and Dwight up front at this game and uh, Dwight was just immense and I remember then there and then because of the, the personality Dalian had again, God rest his soul, he was a gorgeous man, and because of the personality that Dean had, they were always stronger personalities than, than Dwight, um, but that game made me think, do you know what, if he was the number one striker, he could flourish, and he could blossom, and he could show people how brilliant, Dean, I love Dean Saunders, nobody could dislike Dean Saunders, nobody could dislike Dalian, but so it was already, it, it, that game at Leeds just cemented my thoughts, because I knew Dalian and, and Dean's agents had been speaking to me about possibly going to, what well, was it, Fenerbahce, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. They, they, I knew they had offers on the table in the summer to go to to Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. I can't remember which one went where. But I remember that, and I remember that game, and I remember thinking to myself, do you know what, I don't. I don't have to look for anyone else because... Dwight York is one heck of a striker. And I remember that game just cemented my my I knew I could let I knew I could move Dillian, and I knew I could move uh, uh uh Dean. And that game cemented the cemented it in stone. I went, right, that's it. It's happening now. I know for a fact uh um that if we survive this season, which we needed to do, um I I can quite happily because I knew it was interesting I knew they got plenty of money out of that deal I knew they were happy with it if it didn't happen it didn't happen but they were happy with their potential to, uh, moving so really the Leeds game um, she, she gave me the the, the opportunity to, um, to, to to start focusing on who should play with Dwight York and what type of player I should get for Dwight York um, uh, but he was an unbelievable talent, which it, it took. It took a special. It, it, there was a one-off game, and that, that was that was the day. I know it was at Leeds United, and I think we lost. And I think Carlton Palmer scored for them. Um, but I, I know that game made me think. Right, I've got to. I've got to make him believe he's the best striker in the club. Um, and I did that by, you know, moving Dean and Dalian on in the summer, gave him the opportunity. And my God. He just took, snatched it with both hands, and was was just brilliant. I mean, he was fit. Dwight could run all day. People perhaps don't realise about. He was the best, one of the best athletes at the club. His technical ability was immense. um, His skill levels. And I used to talk to him about, you know, I used to. Then I then I went to the educational side of saying, look, you know. Every game's different. Everybody you play against is different. You have to work out people's weaknesses and strengths. So I used to talk to—I could—I think I could relate to Dwight an awful lot because of my role as a as a striker. Uh, so I, I spend a lot of time talking to Dwight, just in passing, you know, not not like sitting down in a meeting and and going over it this that and the other. I, I was always one of them who would, you know, as I walk past, him, would say, you know, you're playing against so and so this weekend. Just pick up his weaknesses. I think he does this, but you work it out yourself. So I used to just him like that But uh, He was a, He was a, he was immense For us Brilliant And I'm glad That game Cemented in, in stone That I, he was
0: going to be My number one striker I want to talk to you About the League Cup success A lot of people Focus on the final Against Leeds United And the fact that It was a comprehensive victory When you look at the scoreline but I think a lot of people forget that you beat Arsenal in the semi-finals over two legs, which which is an incredible achievement because Arsenal always have strong sides. You look at the Premier League era, yeah. they've always had really strong strong teams. How proud are you of the League Cup's success overall, but also beating a team like Arsenal in the semis before hammering Leeds really in the final?
1: Yeah, but you know who the manager of Arsenal was at the time as well was Bruce Rio, <laughs> who was my who was my absolute hero. I mean, I, I, I owed Bruce I owed Bruce so much in life. Um, uh, they, they, look, I mean, we were two nil down, and, and Dwight dragged us back into the game with a two two, um, and we managed to draw it home 0 nil. Um, I think on, on on the balance of things, they were possibly the best side, but we. We we grounded out. It was one of those games where there was different ways to win, um, and and we managed to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I think the League Cup. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, uh, as a player, um, I think I was. I, I, I just think I was born the player, you know. So, I would, so the playing side of it and the League Cup finals as a player were brilliant for me. But to, to win it as a manager, well, uh, I just that that like top, topped everything off for me. But the semi-final. Um, uh, the Arsenal games were probably the two toughest games, and um, you know the fact that Bruce was in charge. I mean, you know, had Bruce gone on and won that, he, you know, he may well have been given the opportunity to stay there, you know. And it uh, just took Bergkamp on and stuff like that, hadn't he? Really, you know. So, um, you know, he made it, uh, probably one of the greatest signings they've ever had. He took to the club, sort of thing. Um, yeah, no, it was it, it was it was a, a brilliant achievement um, to get to the final. Um, and you know, uh, when we got there, um, you know, it was, we were just ready for it. <laughs> it's just you know, the team was the team was so perfectly balanced. You know, I would got that York Milosevic partnership. You know, right foot, left foot, Peter with Gary Shaw, Brian Little, Andy Gray. You know, I mean, Ron Saunders' teams. I, I just I just look at it. You know, um, you know, I Ian Taylor, had Mark Draper was my you know my my Gordon Cowans. You know, Andy was my Dennis Mortimer. You know, I, I just, I can, I, you know, anybody can, anybody can sit down and say, oh, no, he's better than him. But it doesn't matter. For me, there's a relative um, uh, similarity between the type of players that I put in the team. And my 96-cup winning team replicated as close to a Ron Saunders team as I could ever get. You know, three centre-backs, I, I mean in the European Cup teams Alan Evans and, and, and Ken McNaught I could argue that um, McGrath Hugo Ekeog and Gareth Southgate were actually better players I, I mean you know but but that's, that's an argument you know that's for people um, but there were for me there were three great defenders um, uh, you know similarly to Ron Saunders I had two great defenders uh, Bozic in goal and Jimmy Rimmer in goal two great goalkeepers uh, I had Fullbacks who, who were unbelievably um, uh, trustworthy. Kenny Swain, you know, with Gary Charles. Gary, Gary Charles and Alan Wright will never get the praise that they, they deserve, but they were just solid every game. You knew what you were going to get out of them. But that team, that that team, um, uh, uh, and and the League Cup semi-final included, um, was my. That, that's as close as I could get to a Ron Saunders. League League Championship team And, uh, and an Aston Villa European Cup winning team In terms of Matching personnel um, And trying to create The same sort of team As they had in those days So And it worked for me It
0: was brilliant Last question I've got For you Brian And, and thanks for being So generous mm-hmm. with your time Alright Your book uh, Brian Little A Little is Enough Gareth Southgate The England manager Has written the foreword To the book Simon Goodyear Has, has, has written the book Alongside yourself it's available in all bookstores now. How proud are you of having an autobiography that people can access? Because you've shared some of the stories with me today, but there's so many more.
1: That, well, that's the problem. I mean, I have friends who say to me, Brian, you've probably got another five volumes to write. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you've been in football for 52 years, um, there's just so much. But I've just concentrated on the football side of things. Um, may, tried to make it... Um, you know is is honest and lighthearted at times but is serious as well um but no it it, it was it was you know it's not the easiest thing in the world to do um you know I spend a lot of time um you know talking myself into a dictaphone just to try and get myself to, to give myself ideas and and homework on and sometimes your memory lets you down and I remember you know um you know, just when you sign people and you sign and you've been a manager for nine hundred odd games at six levels of football, you, you you know you get confused with why did I sign him or where did I sign him from or how much or did I swap so and so for him? You know, you you have to really go back and and look at all sorts of things to just which trigger off memories and different types of memories, and then ringing some of the lads up who I new and say what happened that day, and it just reminds you. So the stories are are, are unbelievable. Um, um, and, and unlike anyone else of my age you know if you wanted to you could sit down and write five volumes but you, you can't you know and it, you just try and get as much as you can in there which you feel will, will be um, interesting to, to football fans not just Aston Villa fans um, I get the Leicester fans occasionally will, got, will, will ring me when I went up to Darlington I went up there to sell some of the books that they were loving it you know the fact that there was a full chapter on the Darlington thing so I've tried to get as much in as I can and um, did I enjoy doing it yeah once I got into it yeah but it is, it's not the sort of thing people like myself do every day sit down and, and, and talk to yourself I mean I like talking to people as you can tell <laughs> I, I do go on a bit too much but um, initially talking to myself and, and, and taping it all was a little bit awkward but we got there in the end It was it's well worth doing I, I really enjoyed it
0: so we'll dive down to the ocean I will make her home in a deep sea cave and her shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean. I will make her home in a deep sea cave and her shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song.